Amen. Wow. Somebody said it's not how many times you fall, but how many times you get up. Relapse. It's a, it's a part of this process of healing, of recovery. And I hope you never waste one of your slips. I hope you learn from every one. I hope you bounce back. I hope you find God more real on the other side of that slip than you ever knew before. A woman knocked on the 23rd floor apartment of a big office building in downtown New York. A door opened and there was music inside and incense wafted out into the hall and then a woman uh, appeared in a sarong with veils and clappers and danced around for just a bit and she said, do you seek the great Bagone? And the woman said, no, tell Sheldon his mother is here. Tell Sheldon his mother is here. We, we need people like that in our lives that every now and then remind us who we really are. It's a dangerous thing, uh, especially when you're in recovery, to become jaded with pride. Re- relapse is one of those moments again and again which can either break us or renew us. It's the ultimate denial buster. When we've fallen into it again, when the alcoholic has taken another drink, when the sex addict has gone again to the website, when the workaholic has filled up their calendar again beyond their ability to cope, relapse. When we've come out of hiding and we've started this process of healing and, and it, it's been dynamic, really, the way the Lord has brought us through. How do we keep this momentum going? Whoops. Uh, how do we keep the momentum going? It, it's almost a predictable pattern every time. It doesn't really matter what you suffer from, what your hurt, habit, or hang-up is. When you find yourself in the midst of it all over again, that thing you thought that you had left behind, that you had been healed of, that you had moved on from, It's almost always the same pattern that got us there. And I want you to listen to this pattern because it's important. The first step in that pattern is usually complacency. I don't really need to pay that much attention to that. The boundaries that I've set for myself, they've been in place. They've done their job. I've read enough of my Bible. I've gone to enough church. I've been going to CR long enough. It really doesn't matter. I can go back to doing the things I used to do now. I'm a different person. We get complacent, and then the complacency usually gets us into the fog of confusion. We get to that place that we start rationalizing things. And, and one of the juiciest rationalizations that almost all of us employ is this one. I can handle it. I can handle it. And we find ourselves back in those same places that tripped us up again. Now not only just confused but starting to compromise. It's the former alcoholic that says, you know, I just need to stop by and see the old friends at the bar. The gambler that says, hey, let's plan a trip to Vegas. We'll just go for the shows. We, we start to rationalize and, and make friends with the opportunity and, and uh, get close again to the fire 
After complacency and confusion and compromise usually comes catastrophe. How did I get here? I wasn't planning this. We find ourselves in a full-blown relapse. But, but I want you to hear this because this is important. Usually we identify relapse only with the fourth step in that process, the catastrophe. By then it's completely uh, undeniable to anyone who has any kind of clarity of, uh, or objectivity. We find ourselves in a mess, right? It's completely obvious then, but where does relapse start? It doesn't start with catastrophe, and it doesn't start with compromise, and it doesn't start with confusion. It starts all the way back with complacency. That, that's where the slip towards the abyss began. And, and so if, if we're going to resist that catastrophe, we have to start at that place where we battle complacency, where we practice these healing choices. We keep them fresh. How, how does relapse happen? It doesn't happen instantly, though often that's our experience. How on earth did I get here again? This was not on my plan, right? But, but it's, like, it's like letting go of the steering wheel at 50 miles an hour. The car doesn't immediately crash, unless it's horribly out of line. <laughs> but it doesn't immediately crash. But let go of the steering wheel of a car at 50 miles an hour. And I can tell you from that moment on, the crash is coming if something doesn't intervene. And part of recovery is learning when, when you've let go, when you're headed toward the rails, and, and intervening before the catastrophe comes. Every slip, learn from it. Let it be a, an alert to keep you from that place of devastation. How relapse happens. First of all, it happens because, and if you've got your sermon notes, you can fill in your blanks here, okay? Uh, this is the first blank. Willpower. Why relapse happens? By reverting to willpower. That was our very first step, that, that I can't control this, that there is a power beyond myself that, that can make me whole. And the third choice, I commit myself to Christ's care and control. But pride says, you know, I, I can handle it. I don't need the power of God. I don't really need these friends knowing my business anymore. I got it from here. Complacency sets in. It can happen because we revert back to trusting our own willpower. We can start ignoring one of the choices. Well, I did 10 of the 12 steps. That, that, that's pretty good, right? I, I mean, I, I forgave, but that amends thing, that's not really necessary. Not in my case. I mean, for other people, you know, the people that really got it bad, yes. But, but you know, I'm an exception to the rule. We think we can ignore some of those choices, scoot past some of those steps. Or we're trying to recover without support. I'll just do it all myself. No need for meetings, no need for an accountability buddy, no need to make calls when I'm feeling pushed. Let me tell you folks, isolation is deadly for those of us who are in recovery, for those of us who are trying to find God's power to overcome our sin. And the reason for that is there's absolutely no feedback once you're on the road to catastrophe. 
it's helpful to have other people in your life every now and then to stop you and say, do you realize what stinking thinking just came out of your mouth? To give you a wake-up call along the way. Isolation is deadly. Where there's no feedback, there's no possibility of intervention, Sheldon. We can start thinking we are the great begone. We have to return to reality. Finally, one of the most deadly things is we just start becoming prideful. The rules don't apply to me. And it's a funny thing. Pride always hides. It doesn't heal. It hides. Pride hides. Pride keeps us from getting real, for admitting our faults, being honest about our weaknesses, being true to our responsibilities. Pride keeps us from seeking help. It keeps us from making amends. It causes us to blame others because we're too prideful to take an honest look at ourselves. Pride. It's what got Satan himself into trouble. Think you can handle it? It will take you down every time. Here's the rule. Stay humble or stumble. Learn the lesson of the whale. When you think you're going on top and you're ready to blow your horn, remember that's when you get harpooned. The lesson of the whale. Or how about this one? He that is too big for his own britches gets exposed in the end. <laughs> I kind of like that. That's pretty... He who gets, yeah, he, he that is too big for his own britches gets exposed in the end. That's, a, that's funny. Uh, re, relapse is only human, really. It's our natural inclination to, to turn towards sin. And if we're not honest about that and honest about that ourselves, we'll, we'll think that recovery's a one decision and you're done kind of thing. And it's just not. Once we've developed these habits, these habits easily return. They're, they're habits, they're ruts, they're, they're pathways and patterns that we easily fall into. 2 Corinthians thirteen fifteen says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along, taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. Don't fall asleep at, a wheel, at the wheel. Once you're in recovery, there's never time uh, for relaxing. Recovery, we've talked about it. R is realize I am not God. I admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. When we find ourselves having had a slip, sometimes we need to go back to the very beginning. E, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. C, consciously choose to commit my life and will to Christ's care and control. I'm having to move through these quickly. You'll find them in the book in the back if you want to take a book with you this morning. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. This is the road we've been walking. V, voluntarily submit to every change God wants me to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Who removes your character defects? Not you. Did you catch that? Who's the eraser? 
Very good. E, evaluate my relationships, all of them. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me. Make amends for the harm I've done to others, except where to do so would harm them uh, or, or, or others. I don't know. Sorry. R, uh, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination. This is the one we're on today. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading and prayer in order to know God, His will for my life, and to gain the power to follow his will. That's the choice that we're considering today. Next week is yield myself to God to be used to bring his good news to others, both by my words and my example. I'm one of those kind of people I can't just stop on the R. That would drive me crazy till next week. So I, had, I thought maybe somebody else had that same compulsion. If not, I apologize for spo- spoiling the surprise next week. But anyway, there, there are tools that help us keep this momentum in place. And the first one is healthy evaluation, regular evaluation. Never, as I've said, never let a slip go by unused. Never waste it. How did I become complacent? What were the triggers that were going on there? In a group that I've been a part of, it was our practice to always do an autopsy when we'd messed up. Not not just to try to push it out of our minds in shame. No, that is rich material back there. Mine it. What got you there? What was pushing those buttons that drove you towards that familiar sin, that thing that you didn't want to do, that you promised you never would do again, and let, yes, yet you got there? Most of us think that the problem with our drinking is our drinking. And that is just the symptom, right? If, if you want to cut this off at the root, You've got to get behind where you ended up to where you got started. Was it stress? Was it a, a, a relationship betrayal? Was it a relationship? Was it something emotional? Was it the fact that you got cut off from a, for a month from your quiet time and your time of soaking your roots in the things of God? And whoa, look what happened. Who knew? Duh. You know, look back at what contributed. What got you there? Never waste a slip. But But the time for evaluation is not just when you've blown it. The time for evaluation for those who are walking the road of recovery is regular and as you go. I almost guarantee you, if you struggle with a hurt habit or hang-up, you probably have become one of those people who does not take your own pulse very often. If you're a pastor, you're probably an expert at it. I'm always available to everyone else's stuff. I don't have time for my stuff. I've got to put my stuff on the back burner. They taught you that, you know? Separate your stuff from their stuff. And so I put my stuff on the shelf and I just leave it there. (laughs) And it's great until it comes back to bite me. And maybe you're the same way. One of the great things I've enjoyed about the group that I participate in is it's every Tuesday. And so whether or not I've thought about where I am emotionally all during the week, one of the first, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down in that group with those, with those other men, and all of a sudden I realized, I, I haven't given a thought to how I am since the last time I was here. What am I feeling? And for the first time in seven days, I look deeply into my own heart. You got a schedule like that? 
If you're a workaholic, I can guarantee you do. And if you're a workaholic, I can almost guarantee that what you fear you'll get in touch with when you take that pause is the very thing you need to be paying attention to. Evaluate. Do it often. Here, here's one way of doing it. Do a heart check. You ready? A heart check. Is that up there? Yeah. Heart check. H-E-A-R-T. Heart. What hurts? E. Am I exhausted in some way? A. Am I angry? R. What am I resenting? T. What am I tense about? A heart check. Some of you are trying to write that down and looking at me like you went too fast. I'm sorry. Hurts. Exhaustion. Anger. Resentment. Tension. Take a pause and take your pulse and deal with it before it deals with you. Our brothers in, in Alcoholics Anonymous have, have another acronym. They call it HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Hungry. What's going on physically? If you've ever just taken a moment to listen to your body, it will tell you a lot. If we, if we took 60 seconds just to close our eyes and pay attention to our own bodies, I guarantee you, you would be aware of something that's hurting that you weren't aware of just a moment ago. And don't, nobody tell me it's your bobo because you've been sitting in that seat too long. Okay, but anyway, uh, listen to my body. What, what, what's going on? Hunger. So sometimes it's physical. Those are clues. And you need to address the physical issue or emotional issues can stem from it, right? Or, 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 or anger, emotion. What emotion am I feeling now? And what's causing that? And what's the roots of that? And is that something I need to give attention to? Loneliness, it might be relational. Am I isolating from others? Am I spending too much time alone? It might be relational. It might be spiritual. Maybe it's been a while, too long a while, since you went to the well of your soul. Are you relying on God? Are you really? How did you turn to him today before you came to church? Where did he meet you and you meet him in your yesterday? Here's a scary question. How many days do you have to go back before you can find a moment where you sat in his presence? Listen. You will not change the flavor of your fruits until you change the savor of your roots. That can change today. It needs to be changed in each day coming. It, that's the trouble with life, isn't it? It's so doggone daily. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus understands that. He longs for those daily moments with us even more than we do. And if we are the kind that meditate on His Word and meditate on His life within us, Psalms 1 through 3, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, tells us that we'll be like trees planted by a river, both in season and out of season. See, that's the good thing. If you're in the habit, if you've established the habit of not going to your hang-up, but the habit of going to the the resource for your soul, the Lord himself, if that's a part of, of your daily life, then 
when it comes time that life throws you a curveball or you're in a season of drought, you have reserves. And see, that, that, that's, the, that, that's what trips us up. Life can be going along on cruise gear for a while and we start neglecting that daily time with the Lord, that regular sense of recharging our batteries, and we're fine as long as life isn't a grind, but when that thing challenges us, surprises us, that pushes us to the edge, and we don't have that reserve, we're toast. Another tool for momentum, I've got to go through these quickly. Meditation. You say, but I don't know how to meditate. Isn't that that strange Eastern stuff? No. The, the scriptures themselves call us to meditate on the Lord, on the Word, on the things that are excellent and good and perfect. Christians are called to meditate. You, you say, but I can't meditate. I'm not that spiritual. Can you worry? Any of you worried before? Worry is meditation about a negative thing. If you can worry, you can meditate. Just change what it's about. Get a scripture and just chew on it until you draw all the savor out of it. Until you see it from every angle. Until it starts to change and to flavor the characteristics of your day. Meditate. Pray. In, in the book, I don't have time for this, but in the book they talk about the Lord's Prayer not as telling us what to pray, but how to pray. It's really a model. And if you walk through the Lord's Prayer, it actually brings up, by phrase by phrase, every beatitude, every healing choice that we just reviewed a moment ago. Just by praying the Lord's Prayer. Make it your model prayer to remind you of the road of health that you're on. Partners. We need partners. Those that we can read out, reach out to with a phone call when we need a lifeline. Someone to hold us accountable. That, that, that's the problem with not really having strong accountability problems for our struggles. That we'll just find a friend to pat us on the back and encourage us occasionally. They're not empowered with the tough questions, with the insight that stops you in your tracks, that alerts you to the fact that you're in a fog, that you've become complacent, that you're drifting towards disaster. We need accountability partners with that kind of insight. Who can intervene maybe a regular meeting maybe CR maybe a specialized group for whatever it is that we may struggle with a group that we can celebrate with celebrate with you know if, if you struggle with something people that don't have that particular struggle are not going to understand all the things that you're going through and they're especially not going to understand when you've been victorious over one of those things that used to trip you up. <laughs> you tell somebody who doesn't understand that struggle, that, that you walked past the magazine rack, that you took another route home instead of going by the liquor store, they, they, they think you're out of your mind. But a fellow struggler gives you the that a boy. A fellow struggler says, stay the course. And when they look you in the eye, you feel their strength because you know they understand the struggle. Folks, I don't give many of us a snowball's chance with that, that kind of outside reinforcement for the struggle that we war with on the inside. It's God's plan. 
He calls us to that kind of relationship. Here's the choice. It's before you this morning. And it's this choice right here. I reserve a daily quiet time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and the power to follow it. The power to follow it. For most of us, this, this road of becoming more like Christ is very gradual and it's very long. It's a marathon, not a moment. It's a marathon and not a sprint. I had a friend, we were driving in Atlanta one time, and traffic was hideous in Atlanta. And I realized I was going south, and I needed to go north. And I said, man, where can I turn around and get going back north again? He said, this time of day in this city, buddy, you're on 285. It's the loop around the city. (laughs) Just keep driving. Some of us are are on a road of recovery that the thing we've got to do is keep doing the things that we know that are ours to do, to stay the course. And staying that course will eventually turn us towards greater health. Others of us know the intervention of God in a moment. The power of God somehow meets us in that moment. Gives us that scripture that turns our lives. And and, and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver us in a moment if that's God's choice. I don't know why sometimes it's instantaneous and sometimes it's the long journey. Maybe it's because the long journey as we go, it becomes a road not only of recovery, but a road of discovery. We learn why we are the way we are. And and when you learn that stuff about yourself, it becomes a treasure that you can give to someone else. But maybe the Lord lets us linger with these struggles because He knows it'll drive us to one another for help and it'll drive us to Him as the only one that can truly satisfy our soul. I don't know. I remember when I was in college, I, I, I worked with a youth minister across town. He happened to be at Will Rogers United Methodist Church and he told his testimony of having been a guy that grew up on acid, he called it. Uh, there's more medical accurate word but he grew up and he, he he was having an acid trip and and uh, hallucinating and uh scared to death uh fearful that he was going to die and scared to death he wouldn't and he called his father in the midst of this bad acid trip and his father was a pastor and he came to him where he was and he picked his son up in his arms and he was just trying to get away from him and he was seeing all kinds of things in his mind he was frightened he was scared he felt the weight of death upon him and he said my father prayed for me And he said, when my father laid his hand on me, he said, I was stone cold sober in a second. And you know, I I love that guy. He's one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. Won the preaching contest over at Old Roberts University. Spoke to us in chapel. I think that was the first time I met him. He's still, he's still who he always was, but he's who Christ can be when Christ comes to live within us. In a power, you know, he's got that little crazy look, you know, it's kind of spooky. You don't know quite what he's thinking. It's half joy of Jesus and half, you just don't know. And he came out he, preaching in chapel, all these college kids out there, you know, trying to be whole men and women, Oral Roberts up on the stage and all those dignitaries and so forth. And he had won the preaching contest. And he comes out and his very first line to all the student body was one of those lines that they tell you, you need to grab your audience with the very first phrase. And he did. It was this, I love women. 
And everybody in the chapel, all the students, didn't know whether to, to die laughing or, 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 you know, did I hear what I just heard, you know? And none of us breathed until Oral went, <laughs> to the guy next to him, you know? And, uh, and one of the most, he preached a revival at my church, and to hear the Holy Spirit speak through this guy, it was like, it was like poetry set loose. I don't know that I've ever heard a more powerful person in the Spirit speak to people's hearts before. It was absolutely amazing what God can do with broken vessels when He gets a hold of them. And I'm praying that as Dennis Jernigan comes in a, in a few weeks to kind of cap this off, and, and we're those that are walking that path, that some of us will get huge installments of the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit right then and there at that moment. God can do whatever He chooses. The important thing is to be available to God to do it however he chooses. I was up at Purdue speaking at a men's rally years ago, and I met a, a businessman there who was very accomplished. And he met me after one of the seminars, and he says, you and I need to talk more. I talked a little bit about recovery and what was going on in my own life. And he said, I've never heard that before. And we, we went to lunch that night, and we, we talked through, and eventually he shared his struggle with me, that his struggle was uh, an inclination towards homosexuality, and he was a Christian, and he had read his Bible, and he couldn't overcome the contradictions between what he was reading in the Word, and what he was feeling in his heart, and what he was hearing on the news, and he, he was just confused, and he didn't know which way he was forward, and he said, but I've been angry at God because I've been expecting God to zap me. I pray, God, if this is not of you, take it from me, and he hasn't done it yet, and and you're telling me it's not just a zap, sometimes it's a process. And to be honest, that kind of ticks me off. He said, so which is it? Is it the zap of a moment or is it the marathon of recovery that you're talking about? And I looked him in the eye and I simply said, yes. Yes. But whether it's in a moment or it's a marathon, it's only possible when you take the hand of the Master to walk with you. God can transform us if we let God do it. I encourage you, be careful about relapse. Don't start thinking that just because you've put it behind you for a while, it's put behind you for forever. Don't get caught up in your own pride and trying to do it with your own willpower. Stay humble. Stay open. Stay available. Keep saying, God, remove my defects from me. Change my character. I'm available to you. Shape me after your son. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you this morning that that invitation is always open. Every moment, at every point in the struggle, you already know. You loved us and you love us still. You forgave us even before we learned to hide. Help us, Lord, not to trust ourselves. To come out of the darkness into your light to forsake the hiding, to find you in the healing. We thank you for this partnership of this place and these people. 
who love us not because we're perfect, but because we're fellow tra- travelers and fellow strugglers who are partners in the progress, who don't see through us, but who see us through. God, help us to walk this path with one another. Help us to walk it with you. If this morning you need that kind of partnership, we invite you to the author of it all, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We would only celebrate your coming to him. We would only join you and have you join us in the journey. And if you'd come to Christ, and if you'd walk with him, then walk with us. We invite you into the fellowship of this church, if that's your choice. But however you need to do it this morning, we invite you to the well that truly satisfies, to the restorer of your soul. Do a heart check. Risk that evaluation. And come to the healer, we pray, as we stand and sing.